Welcome to yet another episode of Pod Like a Hole, where in season three we are running the gamut of all of our favorite artists and bands and then talking about them. Uh, this is Mark, and I'm also going to be joined by Eric and Steve. In last episode, we walked through the Tom Waits discography. Uh, Eric was kind enough to put Tom Waits on the master list. Uh, if it wasn't him, I'm sure it would have been Stephen or I. This is how uh, much we are in love with this man. Uh, which, to be fair, he's not for everybody. He's kind of like uh, goulash, cold soup. Not everyone really can dig the cold soup. Uh, I'm sure that uh, our dear friend Tom Waits probably has eaten soup right out of the can. Um, in well, can, his of, can of beans, days. right out of the can. So. Oh, for sure. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the album Rain Dogs. Uh, Eric is going to give us a little background, and then we're going to talk about it track by track. But before we get into the heart of the episode, the meat of the episode, this is also basically recording phone calls. Um, we communicate via text message primarily, but in terms of see- hearing each other's voices, this is how we do it. Yeah, and, we save uh, we save all our conversations up for this. If there's... Like, let's say that, uh, I mean, I'm close to Mark's. I, I, I like, I, I, I'm a fan of Mark's mother. And let's say that I heard about some scandalous rumor about Mark's mom. Uh, the way our lives are, I would actually have to wait until we record the next episode to tell him that his mother has been sleeping with the mayor of Roseville. Then Mark, oh. that's what I have to tell you. <laughs> scandalous. Uh, the mayor of Roseville might actually be okay with me. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. Just for the sheer fact, maybe I'll get better parking spots in the city. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, things of that nature, but good to hear from you both. Uh, but before we get into our, uh, talking Tom, we are going to talk about what we are doing, what we've been up to. If there's anything on the old newswire, uh, in our first segment, did you hear about this? Have you, you hear about, about this? this? Or have you heard about this? Or did you hear about this when you, uh, I don't know, were in real time about a month ago? Uh, Steven, what is on the newswire? Did you guys hear about this? Did you hear about this? Uh, blimey, Nick Cave went and watched uh, the king get coronated. The king of England got coronated. Nick Cave went. For some reason, a lot of people cared. They were like, hey, why is Nick Cave dealing with the uh, patriarchy and blah, blah, blah. And And, uh, frankly, on this side of the pond, I don't give a shit either way. Do you? I mean, it's it's no. I was going to say it's kind of over over across the pond. It's certainly a. uh, social issue uh where it kind of like a line in the sand and people that are supporting the coronation or even the monarchy existing at all is um is i guess is is, is it's fallen out of out of favor with the more progressive minds of the area so nick cave supporting that certainly sparked a few articles about hey did you know nick cave has been right wing all along um which if you've read one of those is blood boiling frustrating, but 
I can see maybe the disappointment in him supporting that. I, I guess I understand that. Uh, yeah, uh, one of you is breathing right in the microphone, by the way, and I'm not going to chat it right now. It's for Eric to edit out. But um, it is interesting that Nick Cave, for some reason, his fans always want to be like, oh, oi, Nick, Nick's gotten so conservative in his older age. And, you know, I, I think Nick is just, I mean, he is an old man now, and he doesn't do heroin all the time. And I think he has very balanced opinions about everything. I mean, do you guys ever read his red, his right hand files thing he's been doing for years now? You ever read that? No, I'm not a subscriber, um, but I do understand that he t- tries to be a little bit of uh, uh, like a kind of a pragmat- uh, pragmatism. He's practical. He doesn't yes. really no, subscribe exactly. to either no, side. And, no, and I, I don't think he ever started to be like both sides. I just think when someone comes from an extreme position on either side, he's like, well, have you ever, you know, thought about it this way? And this is the reason why I, as a man that did heroin for years and is an artist, doesn't really give a shit, but find your inner peace. God bless. That, that's, I summed up a lot of them right there. Um, they're very well written. I'm glad that he does it. He's a very kind person. Um, I, th- I just thought it was funny that so many people gave a shit. I, I guess just, the cultural divide, I had no idea why it was a big deal. Um, so, yeah, any other thoughts on uh, the coronation or Nick Cave? I mean, to each their own. I don't see Nick Cave wearing, like, a Union Jack suit and uh, waving <laughs> the flag. <laughs> exactly. Um, but if, even if he was, who cares? I mean... Art from artists, I think uh, we're probably at one point going to have to talk about a band that we are going to have to separate art from artists uh, on ah, certain weeks, things. Two weeks from now. Yeah, two weeks <laughs> ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. Probably so. I've, uh, I've already tried to formulate the conversation in my head, so yes. Well, we haven't actually officially rolled the dice, so thanks for – cut that out, Eric. <laughs> no, I want them to, no, I want them to guess. They're the, 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 the audience is like, are they talking about – Stevie Wonder? Are they talking about Willie Nelson? Are they talking? Who are they talking about? Kid Rock. Willie Nelson. That's true. Art from the artist. That's right. Uh, but no. What else is on the newswire? Uh, I think there was a new drummer from a band um, that. Yeah. No. Let's let's take it. Let's take it all the way back. Let's take it all the way back to Nine Inch News. This is fun. I mean, sadly, it started because a man died. Taylor Hawkins. Everybody liked him. Good drummer, good singer. He's been dead for a while. He was a very big part of the Foo Fighters. But the Foo Fighters are going to carry on. And they've announced that they're going to have Josh Freeze be their drummer. And the reason this is Nine Inch News is because Josh Freeze drummed for Nine Inch Nails for a few tours and albums. And Josh Freeze drummed on the tour for With Teeth, which on the album, Dave Grohl, Played the drums. Look how that all fits together. Yeah, I, I uh, personally do enjoy the Foo Fighters. Um, I know that they're the, the Bob Seeker of alternative rock, but I, uh, I still quite enjoyed that band. You, you just are, Foo Fighters are the Bob Seeker of alternative rock, and that's a beautiful thing. There definitely should be a Bob Seeker of alternative rock. Very, very well put, Mark. The uh, last time I saw Josh Freeze in concert was this time last year, drumming for Devo, who unex- like unexpectedly stole the show at Cruel World Fest. 
Uh, that was last year. And my news, uh, I unfortunately did not get to go to that this year, um, but uh, good friends and listeners of the show um, have, have been reporting with live updates. And um, the lineup, great, a lot of the same stuff. Some new wave, a lot of, a lot of goth. Um, you know, the, big, the big news was that Susie, uh, Susie Sue came out of retirement and doing her only show in North America all year. Um, but other great, you know, Iggy Pops there. Um, you got Human League, uh, some new artists like Twin Tribes, I'm a big fan of. Um, Gary Newman, who we just saw. Um, and uh, so last night, Saturday, was like the, the night of, the first night of the festival. And um, all was going well. I was getting some live updates. Even my friends like were like, wow, Gary Newman really is good. Like this new stuff is fantastic. So like new fans, you know, just like Steve and I were talking about in the last one. Anyways, he gets to Iggy Pops, Iggy Pops up and he's playing the passenger and what happens? Lightning flashes through the sky and immediately the lights, this is an outdoor festival, the lights blast on and there's a big logo from the fire department saying you have to evacuate, it's electrical danger and the whole show ends there uh, before uh, even Susie gets to go on. So um, everyone has to evacuate and, uh, and then... There's a Sunday show too, so they they honored all the Saturday tickets to come back Sunday just for like the last three acts to see to see uh, Iggy Pop's whole thing and, and Susie perform. So that's just a little bit of excitement on the uh, on the uh, on the Goth Reddit. A lot of action shots of people evacuating in their uh, latex and um, and uh, and high heels. So yep, great great times. It was like the scene from Righteous Gemstones when they went into that goth club. <laughs> yeah. um, or uh, everyone cool out, uh, you know, a little. A little uh, that's right. <laughs> I did um, finish my little mini run through. Not everything is up on the streams for Gary Newman. And uh, I will say his uh, Gary uh, new nails kind of uh, sound that he uh, is employing his last record was really good. Um, I mean, it's, it, it stands right up there. I think it's probably one of his best ones, uh, in modern times. That's for sure. Um, the production sounded great. It, intruder. Sure. Yep, yeah. That's the one, but everything, uh, it's a mixed bag. Um, you know, Gary Newman is a goofball, uh, and I appreciate him for that. Then I did a little mini uh, Bauhaus run through. They only have like five records. Bauhaus was another band that like, I know they played that Cruel World Fest. They headlined that last year. Um, and Peter Murphy, he certainly looks different now. Um, <laughs> he looks like, yeah, he looks like a wizard. Him. He looks like a wizard now. Yeah, yeah. instead of instead of Bill Nye uh, from like Love Actually, he's now looking like, you know, Someone who was uh, extra on Pirates of the Caribbean. It's Bill. Yeah. It's Bill Nighy, not Bill Nye, the science guy. Um, Nighy, who is also in Pirates of the Caribbean as Davy Jones. Um, but Mark, yes. did you did you mute me? Somebody, I, sure I, did. I was muted all of a sudden. You son of a bitch! Well, because of that some, noise in the background. I heard my dog. Noise, a little, I was trying to talk. Chicken. I was trying to talk this entire time. I was trying to say that my cousin and his wife were at that same show that Eric was talking about. And I was getting live updates myself. Eric is not that special. He tries to act like he is special. He's not that special. I was getting live updates too. And my cousin and my wife were there. Oh no, my cousin and his wife. My wife was there. That'd be weird. Um, 
And yeah, they uh, they canceled everything. And then they had to drive all the way back to Lincoln, California, because they have kids and they couldn't see the rescheduled night. Uh, but that's my news. Um, that's good news. Yeah. Uh, by, all, by, all, uh, by all accounts, for the shows that were seen, Human League and Love and Rockets both uh, blew the doors off, the proverbial doors off, the, uh, the, the cruel fest before it got shut down. All right, couple couple more things. Uh, Mark and I are seeing Mr. Bungle and the Melvins on Tuesday. We've brought this up in the past. I only bring it up again because I'm already exhausted that we're seeing a rock concert on a Tuesday night in a place two hours away. <laughs> it's just fucking old. It's true, old man. It's in true. Our younger I days, think we, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have cared. I think I aged in dog years by when I purchase the ticket versus actually now going to the show and uh, i feel like i'm seven years older from when that happened and um this is going to be a i'm doughy soft i told steven it's not like we're going by covered wagon um but man it sure does feel like i'm gonna have to really really juice up the old uh effort on this one but i'm excited it'll be good by the time everything's over we'll be like oh i'm glad i did that yeah, I'm, I'm looking, you know, we all know that they're not going to play California, which is a masterpiece. That's fine. It's still going to be great musicianship playing great rock songs. Dave Lombardo is always fun, as I've said. And also, during the pandemic, I became an anthrax nerd. And so I don't think I've ever seen, out of all the metal shows I've gone to, and out of all the stuff he's guested on, including the VH1 specials, I don't think I've ever seen Scott Ian play guitar live. That'll be fun. He, he's kind of like a pop culture thing into himself, so... He was always a uh, a talking head on those like best week ever shows and uh, remember the '90s on VH1. Mm-hmm. Like he seems like a good dude, someone I'd want to uh, hey, have a beer with. He's amicable, he's witty, and he's got that goatee. So you remember? Oh, the guy with the goatee. All right, yeah, that's him. I know Mr. Bungle right now is essentially just uh, the three guys: Trey, Trevor, and uh, Mike, and then. A little bit of Slayer slash Phantomos and a little bit of Anthrax. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really kick myself that I never saw the the classic lineup. Uh, Steven, you did at the Snowcore um, tour. Yeah, no, no sick new world, but uh, Mr. Bungle in their prime right before they imploded. System of a Down, Incubus, and God, who knows what the fourth band was. You can only you can only imagine a coal chamber. Head PE. Maybe uh, probably yeah. probably was head PE. Did you uh, hit the slope? <laughs> Did you hit the slopes that day, Steve? I've gone on record that bartender's a good song. No, I've never. Here, Eric, if you want to give me shit, I mean, I am not very. I'm not a gazelle, and you are not very coordinated. How often have you gone skiing? Uh, my parents took us. To, took us uh, at least once a year up until I at least until my hip went bad in this about ten, for about ten years. So we already had this talk when we drove to Reno. I've never been skiing or snowboarding in my life. I just looked at that when when they had the uh, field trips at school, which is weird. And when I look back, it's odd that they took field trips to ski. Seems strange to me. I was just a kid. I'm like, hey man, I'll stay back and watch Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. <laughs> there was a death. There was a death. Did you guys hear about this? Uh, actor Rick Dalton died. Did you hear about this? 
Yeah, I think he was at the uh, ripe old age of 90. I did hear about this. Rick Dalton passed away. Many, many great films. Um, uh, chronicled in Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood, I believe it was called. But he's got... I mean, if you went and watched... I remember when my kid was born. My first born. Um, he had a birth that seemed to take 24 hours a night. Ended up watching a lot of old westerns on uh, on like AMC in the morning when he was like coming out of my wife's vagina. And I always remember seeing Rick Dalton in an episode, I think it was The Rifleman. Um, he guessed it on The Rifleman. And so I got my, my kids popping out of my wife and I got Rick Dalton right there blowing some guy away over land rights issues. So rest in peace, uh, Rick Dalton. Had a hell of a career. Mm. Good stuff. Uh, he definitely would be fighting against those mechanical assholes in front of his house. Eric, I, I was a little hard on you earlier. Um, <laughs> I should stop and ask you, what is your favorite Rick Dalton movie? You, you, you've done a whole run through, I believe. Oh, sure, sure. Um, uh, I would say Savage Justice. It's a little um, problematic, uh, especially since it was made in the 90s. They should have known better, but there's a lot of heart to that movie. Well, that's everything I got off the Newswire. We can move into the, uh, the plugs, if that's what you guys want to do. Let's do it. It is time to plug like a hole. Uh, so, Eric, what are you plugging? What are you recommending? What are you consuming? Oh shit! We, we do. I thought we just did this. I, I, I thought we just we just plugged. I, I, um, well, if you got no plugs, I've got no plugs. Say, I've got no. On. Moving right well, on. Let me Next ask person. you this, Eric. Uh, yeah. I think I think we were talking about a bunch of. Uh, uh, TV shows that you're watching right now. So yeah. let, let's give them the rundown. All right. What are you right. watching right now? You got the yeah. Fatal Attraction. Yeah. The yep. other two. Yeah. Oh, fatal that new Fatal Attraction. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. That looks like a Saturday Night Live sketch to me. My wife loves it. No, it's good. Uh, it's I've been watching good. it too. I'm the, a act, the main, more, the main I'm actor. A little... The main actor looks a little bit too goofball to me. But what do I know? Joshua Jackson. Yeah, I like. I like Josh no Jackson. Charisma. Uh, he's yeah, fine. No, I, he was good in fringe. But okay, so yeah. we got uh we got that. We got the other two, which uh-huh. is also bonkers this season. Really good. Um, right. Barry, right. of course. We're talking Barry. that. Yeah, we already talked that. Um, yeah, yeah. I like Succession a lot. I think I, I think I'm the only one out of okay. us that watches Succession. Uh and it took maybe four seasons, but if there was an emotional backbone to that show, I seems so cold when we first start the show. It is just uh they just flay you almost every episode this season. So it's, it's a, it, it's really good payoff, good payoff for succession at the end. Um, God, and, uh, goddamn Barry's yeah. going to keep me up late tonight. I did watch Barry before logging in. Uh, doesn't disappoint. Good to know. That's right. I will try to watch it before I go to bed. Yeah. Uh, I, that'll I, be an easy one to just watch it all again when it's done. Uh, I rewatched all of season four. Like last week, up to the point it's at now, and I was just like, "This is good. This just goes down smooth. This is great." So. Well, I've got two follow up. I got two. Oh, Mark, you go first. About plugging? Sure. Yeah. All right. Plug the hole. So, um, what have I been up to? I've been watching relatively the same shows. Um that Eric is also consuming. So I'm not going to talk about those, but there is something that is currently uh, just radicalized me for this year. 
and that is the sport of baseball. Um, I am plugging baseball. That's like a music fan plugging music. It's ridiculous. You're not plugging um, any local teams. <laughs> I'm not plugging any team in particular. Uh, the reason that I have I'm plugging baseball is because I have access to MLB.TV subscription, so I've been really been able to... I mean, Eric, I really hope that you're putting the sports music over this right now. Um, I, I only... That's my only hope. Bring that back. Um, so, uh, I... Just watching a variety of teams, I'm starting to like see the narrative of what's going on between the season. It's uh, it's cool not to just follow like one team religiously and just watch it as if it was a a mini series. See the narrative, the drama between all the different teams. Uh, it is so unfortunate that a local team uh, from Northern California. It looks like they'll be absolutely moving to Las Vegas and what they're doing on the field right now. Uh, it's akin to the film Major League. It's it is, just it's really sad. Four, 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 you want, Mark? It is, and I've got, I've got this, this harebrained consultant that I work with sometimes when PG&E is being weird. And one thing, I, like he's, he's like something out of Ghostbusters, um, like a mad scientist. But years ago, he let slip he's an A's fan, so we always would talk about that. Um, and I meant like last time I talked to him, like it was the first time in like years we didn't talk A's at all. And he was like, yeah, it's, it's too bad. There's nothing to talk about with the A's. And I, I said exactly what you just said, which you've said before. Uh, I was like, yeah, man. I mean, they're being run so bad. It's like the movie major league. And he was like, exactly. That's what I've been telling everybody. Exactly. Steve I was like, all right. All right, John. Yes. <laughs> but that's exactly what's going on there. It's so it's blatant. Like they're going to, they're going to, they're going to end up with the worst record of all time. It's possible. They're going to be worse than, some team called the Spiders, which uh, is the worst baseball team of all time. That was the Indians yeah. before they turned into. That was the Cleveland Spiders, and yes, um, and back in the old 1800s. But anyways, I'm so radicalized with baseball that I'm listening to a lot of baseball podcasts. Uh, one from uh, John Boy Media. If you know, you know that man makes some excellent uh, breakdown videos. Whenever there's like a fight on the field, good stuff, um, and he is a genius. He makes the sport so appealing. Uh, my kid was in little league for the first year and for his last game, he hit a double. I was really proud of that. I wasn't there for it because I had to work. It's the sad, sad Willie Loman story. Um, but thankfully my, <laughs> exactly. But thankfully my wife, uh, taped it and I was able to watch that later. Um, and I'm also rewatching Ken Burns baseball documentary, uh, because uh, who wants to hear old men uh, just pontificate about the philosophy and the poetry of baseball for at least 10, 12 hours? Uh, I guess I do. So baseball, I'm caught the fever, the crack of the bat, the slap of the glove. Did it in. Uh, last, last episode, we talked about how Moon Age Daydream is on HBO Max, which is now just called Max. And I hadn't watched it yet. Mark started it, didn't finish it. It wasn't what he thought it would be. Didn't say he didn't like it. Just wasn't in the mood for it. Eric already saw it. Eric owns it. Anyhow, uh, I did go back and watch it. And I was actually, I was really impressed with it. Um, I do give it a high recommendation for David Bowie fans. But like Mark said, you're not going to get into talking heads that tell you the story of, uh, you know, I met David down on the uh, 
in the corner of Brunswick and New Haven in 1967. None of that. It's all just constant narration that's spliced together from David Bowie interviews of David Bowie talking with constant footage with songs that kind of morph from one into another. And when I got done watching it, the way it's edited together and the way it kind of uh, coalesces at the end reminded me of a less artsy-fartsy version of Konya Skotsky, if uh, any of our listeners have seen that. Um, but I really I liked it. Mark, I, I sent you a text. I said you should try to finish it. I think there's some good stuff in there. Um, anyhow, I just wanted to put a button on that. That uh, uh, Something I brought up, I I heard was on the streams last last episode. I actually sat and watched, and I, I enjoyed it. So there you go. All right, so Rain Dogs um, is our album of the of the night, and you know I could have picked any handful of Tom Waits albums. We went through that discography last time, and as you could tell, we were all pretty passionate about at least one album from every era of his career. Um, and you know, Rain Dogs is part of this kind of Island Records trilogy, uh, starting with Swordfish Trombones, ending with Frank Frank's Wild Years. Any of those could have been picked. Bone Machine, you'll very, I mean, the list goes on. But I think he was doing something that was pretty uh, provocative, pretty different. Um, and there was nothing else like it at the time in the 80s during those early Island Records. Uh, uh, and I think Rain Dogs, not only, it could be argued that it's the best record out of those, but I think it's the most fun to listen to because. Um, we talked about it last time. Swordfish trombones was still pretty experimental. Rain Dogs is, but you can hear, especially as the album goes on, leaning towards some pop sensibilities. Um, by no means a pop record, just more in songwriting. Um, and for that, for that reason, I, I find it quite fun. Um, and so that was why it was my pick. Um, plus, just a fun, a fun uh, era to talk about. Um, but with it was, it's oh, a good sorry, pick. I mean. Um... I, I think that if you really wanted to capture a little bit of his early uh, years inside of Island and how he's still evolving into uh, the Tom Waits that we all know and love, um, this one definitely is a uh, the record that kind of sets it uh, the path. I think even uh, more than Swordfish Trombone. Uh, Swordfish Trombone still existed a little bit in two worlds. This one um, uh, definitely seemed to solidify what he was trying to do. Yeah, and and you know the and what was he trying to do? Well, try reading an interview with Tom Waits. They're uh, they're hilarious and entertainment, and they in, in of them themselves are pieces of work when he gets interviewed. But you're never really going to know what was going on when he was recording. Every now and then he'll he'll drop a little uh, a little nugget of of you know you know oh yeah we recorded that song in the bathroom by hitting wet bacon against a tambourine or something. 
but um you know in 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 general you know he'd rather tell you about the cab driver that took him from the airport to the studio that took a detour to deliver a baby um you know you you really don't necessarily know what was going on um but what i what we can tell you is that this this album was recorded in new york city and it was written in a at that time at least was kind of a shady part of manhattan he wanted to capture the 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 spirit of the the people that have kind of lost their way and wound up in a city and can't really find their way home um hence the title um and and the the title track rain dogs um and what the title means is like dogs that that get lost in the rain and the rain washes their scent off so they can never find their way home um uh and he's you know obviously it's the metaphor for uh you know, people that wind that, that the, the, the subjects of his, of, of the album. And he tried to, he said he really wanted to capture the feeling of the city, the ambient sounds of the city. Um, and, uh, and, and weirdly though, a little side note is somewhere in between swordfish trombones and, um, this, he started dabbling with, uh, Jim Jarmusch and was in the film down by law, which we talked about last time. And, uh, and which was Louisiana and there are a lot of references to uh, New Orleans um, in this album as well. So it's like New York by way of uh, New Orleans. So um, I don't know, a lot going on there. But as far as his personnel, there's a there's a huge list of people that have worked on this album. Um, and, you know, we'll go through as we talk about certain tracks, people stand out. But, you know, the big his his uh, kind of big players the ones that would be in his core group a band for you know for a while and basically from here on out is uh larry taylor who does stand-up bass um and then you've got mark rebo who is who plays guitar on most of the tracks um and he's a good guitarist he's got like this really plucky sound to it um but you know he's got an ear for for riffing and it fits that kind of gypsy yeah notes without, without him i don't think tom waits gets the levels you... that we hold tom waits at in the second half of his, of his career. Oh yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and then, yeah, there's some fun, some fun guest, uh, cameos, Keith Richards, um, and John Lurie, uh, actor, saxophonist, uh, his co-star from down by law. Uh, Tony Levin shows up on a song, uh, as does G.E. Smith uh, from I'd the Saturday Night Live band. Pops up in pop culture. That's right. That's right. Um, and yeah, they, they recorded and he wanted to, you know, like to capture that ambiance. He wanted to use found sounds, um, and really lo-fi, uh, lo-fi production, um, but still layered with, with a lot, a lot going on, on some songs. Some songs are very sparse. Um, but that was, as far as we know, the background of the record. Did anybody else find any nuggets about this one? Uh, no, you kind of summed it all up. I mean, I, I think it's very much informed. I don't know if it's because the, the beginning of the movie down by law is like a music video for, uh, Oh, what what song is that? It's escaping my mind now. That's Jockey Jockey Full of Bourbon. Yeah, but I I, I feel like this. I mean, were these reco- was that movie filmed at the same time this was recorded? For some reason, they go really hand in hand to me. 
his friendship they, with John Jarmusch and John Lowry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, okay. I, I, I would believe that uh, Down by Law would have happened just before recording started for this. Maybe during. Maybe he was bouncing back. What I like about what I like about Jim Jarmusch is a he's always looked very interesting. He's had gray hair since he was like twenty. Um, he's an interesting looking cat. And he always makes movies that are avant-garde. But they're still, if you sit down and watch them, they're not too weird for the most part to grasp onto. And sometimes he knocks one out of the park like Ghost Dog, for God's sakes. Uh, Jim Jarmusch is a national treasure. That's one. I didn't know where to say that, so I'm saying it now. Yeah, I, I agree. And yes, and by avant-garde, it's like maybe for some people, they just can't watch a conversation like, you know, like a scene, like a one-shot scene of a conversation that lasts 15 minutes. Um, and that's not for everybody. That one, Johnny uh, Depp, Dead Man. That's a cool oh, one. Good one. Good one. Yeah. Did I did I mention this? If I mentioned this on the last episode, tell me and I'll edit it out. But <laughs> there's that SpongeBob episode where they get stuck in the fishing hooks, SpongeBob and Patrick, and then it keeps cutting to the fishermen, and it's Jim Jarmusch and John Lurie from that episode of Fishing with John. <laughs> and it keeps. I don't think you mentioned that, but I've not. I've I've seen that. <laughs> And I was amazed that it was happening. Uh, SpongeBob is a I national I fell trigger. out of my seat the first time I saw it. Yeah. So that's kind of the background of the album. Um, it seemed like uh, production-wise, uh, there was a lot of, like, Tom Waits trying to, like, set the mood, like, describe the mood he wants for a song. Um, and, uh, and you know, the, the musicians would try to do it. They'd take a few different takes. If that didn't work, they'd record it on a shitty cassette bang it against the toilet three times and, and try it again. And, uh, and you got, you get yourself uh, rain dogs. So I, now, I think we're ready for the track by track. But before we get into it, I, I have a question about the production. Uh, I, I always lump this together with swordfish trombones. I think a lot of people do. Were they, I mean, some of the personnel is the same, I think, but were they recorded in the same places at all? Or are they completely different recording environments? That's a good question. Well, actually this is the first album he worked on with Mark Rebo. So, so Mark Rebo was not, a, was not a part of uh swordfish trombones. Um, and swordfish trombones was actually recorded in Hollywood. So different okay. place, same like frame of mind he was in, but yeah, different, definitely different. Let's get on with it. All right. Track by track. Well, the album opens with Singapore. Singapore starts um, actually in a similar vein to how Swordfish Trombone starts with a just a, 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 a upbeat uh, pirate song. And when Tom Waits is in pirate mode, you know it because there's a lot of xylophones. There's a lot of like tubas and low end horns. And, um, you know, he's doing his rasp yell quite a bit. Um, that's not to say there's not catchy moments in it. Um, but in this one, he tells a story of... Uh, uh, so either a, a seaman or a, a pirate, um, somebody at sea who's traveling around, who's getting into trouble. Um, there's a great line about how he can't go into a church. Um, you know, they uh, we're all as mad as hatters here. And I've fallen for a tawny moor, which basically is what a, what a sailor would say when they fall in love with like a native 
woman. Um, and uh, yeah, you get a kind of a rousing song about either a pirate or, or a sailor on shore leave, um, getting into all sorts of evil. So what I had to do for this album is I actually struggled writing about it. Um, I really like this album, as you'll see. But I learned Tom Waits music is hard to put, for me, it's hard to put my thoughts on paper. Uh, uh, what, how to describe why it's good. I actually had to come up with like a little matrix that I applied to each song. And that was the only way I was able to, to even convey how I feel about these tracks. I actually, uh, I thought that I wrote my notes down when we did the discography. And then I learned yesterday morning I didn't. And this was around like five in the morning. I don't know why I was up. And so I was driving around at five in the morning before the rest of my family got up, listening to this album, trying to write down about it. Didn't work out. So then I came up with my little matrix. And then at 3 a.m. this morning, it all clicked into place. So when I wrote my notes, it was 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And it made sense for this album. Um, and so my little matrix is really easy. Um, and basically, I kind of broke down uh, what, what character Tom is kind of playing. If Mark is a driving force or just doing accents or is he on the songs at all what kind of percussion is there and then i get i gave eric's little grade he had for the last one and eric what were the grades for the last one when you graded the album sure. excellent was... song it, yeah yeah an excellent song was can of beans a um good uh good song was the uh hair grease mm -hmm. and then an okay to not good song was old shoes all right and i'm not asking you guys to do the same thing but it's what i had to do to put my thoughts on paper so here we go um so singapore yeah song, tom's kind of he's got this like gruff like longshoreman narration going on um they, you know, it, it's, it's, he sounds like you just got off the, the, the docks and he's telling you what to do and what to go do next. Um, it, it's funny. I'm reading a bunch of 1980s Wolverine comics right now. And there's a country called Madripoor, which is always their stand in for Singapore. And I was reading those the same morning while I was listening to the song Singapore, but you've got, you've got Tom doing this gruff guy using some, uh, colorful metaphors. Um, Mark's guitar work on this one, he's kind of like responding to the vocals and dancing around the vocals. He's not really driving the song through. Um, it's good work. You're not going to get the quality of the song without him. Uh, I'd say that the percussion on this one's either a xylophone or maybe a radiator. Does that sound right? I mean, sounds like sounds like pipes are being tapped on. Definitely, definitely a xylophone, but you know, there's probably a radiator in there too. Yeah. And I give this one a can of beans. So that's my thoughts on Singapore. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I agree with all that. Um, and Mark, wh what about you? What are your notes? Were you writing your notes down uh, with, you know, up on your steering wheel <laughs> as you careen through the uh, streets? Like I, I drove by Mark's house. Like a, <laughs> like a member of police squad, you know, just... <laughs> Take down notes as you're driving. Uh, Singapore, uh, it starts with that, uh, you know, Disney's the skeleton dance type xylophones. Um, and it has a little bit of a, a marching beat to it. Uh, it certainly uh, was replicated in another great song uh, called God's Away on Business. Um, I, I feel that there's a direct connection to, to that song uh, from here. Uh, 
It's an adventure song, is how Tom Waits put it. Um, I like adventure songs, and I always remembered that in the studio. The drum sound that we used was a 2x4 attacking somebody's chest of drawers, and the whole song played, and all the backbeats were played with it. Or it's, uh, like a piece of furniture had collapsed, and there was nothing left of it, and the song was over. Uh, so, I mean, this song does have, like, that junkyard quality of, uh, you know, people playing wash basins um, on a on a pirate ship is this and it's done perfectly well. Singapore is a, a good good opening track. Yeah, apparently they they destroyed a chest of drawers on this song. I don't know yeah. uh, how you do that, but they they destroyed a armoire. It sounds like me trying to put an uh, IKEA together. Uh, anyways. Um, well, all right. Well, yeah, and this is a good one. And, um, let, oh, I should mention, um, you know, now since we're in a, a post woke era that he does sing about drinking with all the Chinamen, calm down. Um, but, (laughs) but, you know, as we talked about in the writer's room, uh, you know, Tom Waits is inhabiting a character and his particular evil doing character would absolutely, absolutely respectfully. Uh, drink with all the Chinamen. I mean, it, it sounds it. like it was uh, an 1800s, you know, sea shanty. So mm-hmm. it's all right. You know what I like about this song is that for one, yeah, exactly. for one section, just one section, we're right before he says, so he away boys, there's like a mandolin or something that comes in just for one like section. Do you guys know what part I'm talking about? Like right before he says, so heave away, boys, some other instrument comes in for one moment. I can't even mouth it, but go look that up. But this leads us into, uh, takes it down a little bit um, and leads us into kind of this this uh, sparse bluesy track called Clap Hands. The conductor's lame, a Cincinnati jacket and a sad look dame, hanging out the window with a bottle full of rain. So, um, what Clap Hands was about was talking about the kind of dichotomy in New York about how, at least at that time, before gentrification really taken over, you'd see these like four, like this is a direct quote from Tom Waits. You'd see $400 designer shoes stepping out um, with a, like a $500 ball gown right into like a puddle of blood um, going to their high rise apartment um, and just kind of the di- dichotomy. And the cold, kind of uncaring, um, you know, mix of high society and reality of, of, of living in New York, um, yeah, contradictions and such. Um, but it's got some more bone xylophones, marimbas. It's got a Mark Rebo solo, and he sings it uh, like nursery rhymes. Mark, what do you think about clapping? This is definitely one of my favorite songs on the record. Uh, it has just this. Uh, layer of fog that's just right right there at the at the feet as you're walking down the street it just has that ominous like whispering from an alleyway you're hearing this guy telling the song about a insane man and uh it just <laughs> I, I don't know i just love this song so much it just has a, a genuine vibe to it uh something's not quite right and it's mysterious and it uh, also has just like this 
very monotone clap hands. I mean, the opposite of what you'd actually expect on a song. But uh, I love this song. It's great. Yeah, this is a great. Tr- yeah, it's definitely got a good little vibe to it. And sorry, Steve, go ahead. No, this is this is a great track too. It definitely slows things down a little bit, but it still is totally within the, uh, the ballpark of this record. Um, and it definitely is a woozy song. I think you guys described it. It also sounds kind of like it's not called underground, but it it's, makes you feel like you're sinking. When I when I listen to this song, I think of the scene from Labyrinth where they go, "See, she, she said down," and the hands carry her down. That's kind of the, the feeling you get from, from this track. Um, Mark was dead on. The character he's kind of playing here in his delivery is definitely like an honest John type guy, Becky telling you to come down an alleyway and go do something nefarious. He's trying to talk you into something. That's the kind of guy that he sounds like. Um, uh, you know, Mark, he does a lot of uh, his guitar work on this one. He creates a lot of atmosphere. But then he whips in with a pretty wicked guitar solo. It's pretty awesome. Um, kind of all discordant and shit, but it, it sounds like something Jack White would be proud of. Um, percussion on this one's kind of pots and pans style, I, I believe. And uh, I give this one a can of beans as well. It's a very, very great song. A, a top shelf weight song. A good, good name too, just clap hands. That's a good name for a song. And it's not, like Mark said, this is not, this is like... If if Hey Ya by Outkast, a great song, was it called Clap Hands, it would make sense. You're like, oh yeah, this song sounds like it should be called Clap Hands. Why this is called Clap Hands, I have no idea. I don't know what Clap Hands represents. I don't know if it means, you know, you know the job's all done. Like I I have no idea. But it doesn't sound like it's a like a rhythm and blues type thing. So my my last just kind of two cents and and when you talk about the percussion i think you're bringing up a good point that's on a lot of this era is that he's not necessarily i mean he has drummers and they do play drum sets and that happens here and there but um they the ability to make a groove happen and this song has a definite groove a mysterious groove but a definite groove is happening and it's it's done by multiple little percussion instruments um still somehow minimalistic, even though there's a, there's a lot going on, they're playing a lot of the same rhythm. Um, and it's just not traditionally, uh, there's not like a traditional backbeat going on, um, that you would necessarily hear in blues music. Uh, so, um, and that it uses a lot on this. So, uh, just more of kind of what he was doing different that kind of nobody else was doing at this time. But let's take that to the third song and we've got ourselves Cemetery Pulp. Cherry Polka, that's our, my favorite cover of a Weird Al song. Well done, Tom Waits. Weird Al just started. And look at that. Already knocking it out of the park. Uh, no, no. It's Weird Al doesn't own the uh, own, own the patent on polka music. Um, uh, you know it's a polka song. There's a lot of tuba going on. There's an accordion. Um, and this is an example. This song is under two minutes. So this is a huge album, by the way. I didn't, we didn't mention it. It's almost a double album. It's 17 songs. And some songs are better than others, but at the worst, you're going to yeah, get Yeah, I, I didn't realize that until I was writing my notes. Like, I, yeah. I've owned this album since uh, 
since I first hugged Eric uh, from across the alleyway. Yeah. But I was like, whoa, holy crap, this thing is long as shit. It's packed <laughs> to the gills. But at worst, you're going to get a song like what I would consider this, which is fine. It's got some cool parts. It's not knocking my socks off, but it's over in under two minutes. And at least it tells you a fun story on the way. See, the thing about Tom Waits is you don't have to really like decipher what his songs are about. Even though he uses some weird metaphors here and there, like you... They're, they're more like colorful cartoony metaphors. I mean, this is a song about a family that's like like trying to scheme the inheritance, a fucked up family. And uh, you hear him going through all the family members and uh, oompa, 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 and you've got yourself a song. Steve, Cemetery Polka. One, it's funny you mentioned Weird Al Yankovic because today I was at Rayleigh's and I was buying some uh, of uh, Grandpa's cough syrup. And I was asked my age, and I said 12, 12, 80. And then, like I often do, four four days after John Lennon died, and this guy beat me to my own joke. He said something along the lines of like, wow, yeah, that's pretty coincidental. You guys couldn't live at the same time. And I was like, exactly. Yeah, two geniuses couldn't be here at once. You know. And he's like, oh, you're not very humble, are you? He's like, that, that reminds me of my favorite uh, Weird Al song, the, the, the Amish Paradise, where it talks about how he's a thousand years more humble than thou or some such. You know what lyric I'm talking about there? Something about more humble than art thou. Yeah, no, definitely. Yes. Anyhow, it really made my day to have a, a random Rayleigh's clerk bring up Weird Al. Um, also, this song is a weirder one. This is one of your weird Tom Waits songs that make up the whole atmosphere of a record. You could probably lose it and you're not going to overall bring your grade down of your record, but I'm glad it's here. Um, like Eric said, it's, it's, it's so short that it doesn't harm anything. It is goofy. Um, this, this is kind of like, this could be on like a Dr. Demento's record or something. I I think, um, you know, I think Tom's character is kind of like a guy at the end of the bar regretting his life and he's blaming it on all those other family members. That's kind of, that's what I'm hearing. Um, Mark's guitar work is doing some accents, some stabs here and there, but what really drives this song is some tubas and glockenspiel. I think I'm hearing that. There might be a glockenspiel in here somewhere. And I uh, give the song uh, middle middle tier hair grease. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Cemetery Polka, it's uh, not the highlight of the record. Um, to Eric's point, goes by real fast. So um, nothing to be really offended by the, anything here. Um, it certainly sounds like it could fit right in to a... Uh, a section in Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I can just picture those little goblins uh, walk, you know, walking through Halloween Town to this. Um, and it does have that uh, uh, story about having to deal with old family members that have gone and the shit that went along with them. So, yeah, it's fine. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of the song, though. I mean, if it was, it's not going to make my playlist. I'll just say that. Uh, I, it's not, a, I guess it's a little bit of a older shoe on, for me, if we're sticking to the ranking file system. I mean, I think it's, it has the, it has the unenviable position of being right before a top tier all timer song. So, you know, yeah. but okay, it, let's it, go, I guess let's... it's also, you know, it's only two minutes long and as soon, as soon as the next song starts, you forget all about it. So. It makes up the the tapestry of this album, 
but uh, yes, you're right. It is a uh, it is a bunt before a home run to uh, appeal to Mark's um, current preferences and obsessions. And let's listen to Jockey Fool of Bourbon. <laughs> All right, yeah, and as Steve mentioned, this is the opening credit song on Down by Law. What a cool song to open that movie up by um, as they're driving through black and white uh, New Orleans. Um, and this this is a, a sad song about a, like a heavy drinking barfly um, who is avoiding his home. And, 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 and hey, little bird, fly away home. Your house is on fire. Your children are alone. Um, when that avoidance could then affect, affect your, your children and, um, kind of heavy subject, but it is done in a upbeat, uh, catchy way with a a cool Mark Rebo guitar solo, Mark jockey. Uh, The song is an all timer, an all timer. It has just a, uh, that saloon guitar type sound to it. Uh, I would also say, uh, another record that you had selected for this uh, never-ending season was Black Heart Processions, Immortal Tropico. This song could fit right in that one. Um, that such a like a template for for what Black Heart were all about. Um, but th- man, this song though, it, it here here totally yeah, agree. It's good, good <laughs> it's right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's just classic Tom Waits. His his vocal delivery is fantastic. Um, how he makes lyrics really feel like they're uh, they're just candy. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, Nick Cave does the same thing for me. Um, when you get someone's that just is really good at creating imagery uh, and how they deliver words and uh, phrases, it just uh, is quintessential Tom Waits. I love it. Um, yeah, it's got that exotic feel to it. That's also sort of dangerous. And he's not too abrasive in his vocal delivery in this. Um, you know, if you, if you listen to it, the, the backing track is still weird. There's a drum set going, but there's also weird percussion. Uh, but I still think you could show this song to anybody, um, to kind of test the waters on if they'll go down the Tom Waits road, Steve. Yeah, I uh, I never knew this song. I it's not like I'm ignoring the lyrics, but I had no idea. I never listened to what this song was about. The propulsion of this song and the lyrical content do not match in my head at all. Um, it's very interesting because Tom's delivery in this sounds like a really cool motherfucker that's like going to tell you how to do a heist, you know. And Mark Mark Rebo's guitar work sounds like spy guitar too. So. It's uh, but no, you're right. That lyric right there that I've heard a thousand times, a little, you know, Hey bird fly away home. Your house is on fire. Totally makes sense. Um, despite that is a very cool sounding song. It moves, it grooves. It's awesome. Uh, I, I think that the percussion on this one is like bongos and wood blocks. Maybe there's some kind of stick on a block at some point. 
Um, I give it a hard can of beans. It's just a great song. It's a, if you make a mixtape for a friend for Tom Waits, it's on there. And again, the movie down by law, it's really fun to see this in the opening credits. Um, it's a great song. Jockey full of bourbon. If you come away from this, just hearing one song, it's this one. Listen to this song. And the, the fact that you're right, it's minimalist drumming, but you said it's propulsive. It is. That is, you got to give it to Mark Rebo and his guitar riff. Like, the riff builds the whole song. And then that solo goes kind of nuts. It's, it's, it's a great, like, hitting all the up notes. Yeah, dude, you know, that, that part where it goes like... Like, yeah, it's like some Django Reinhardt, like old gypsy guitar or something. But obviously, that's a highlight of the record. But on top, on top of all that, on top of all that, though, on top of all that, also we don't talk, we have not talked enough about this in all our Tom Waits talks. There's a lot of times where he just like grunts and growls and shit. On this track, there's an old timer where he goes, ah! uh, Tom Waits. He has a good yell on this track. Um, he sounds like a man possessed at one point. He sounds super cool, but he throws in a really good howl in there. I love it. Yeah, sometimes he howls at his band. Sometimes he whistles at them like they're like they're taxi drivers. It's, it's great. Um, but let's move on uh, to another, uh, much like Cemetery Polka, a song about a dance tango till they're sore. Sure she's all in calico and the color of a doll. Wave the flag on Cadillac. Skillet on the wall. Come near switch. Oh, hold your breath till the sun goes down. Write my name on the hood. Send me off to another town. Then just let me fall out a window with confetti in my hair. Dear now, Jack's a better on a blanket by the stairs. Tell you all my secrets, but I lie about my past. Will you send me off to bed forevermore? Kind of one of those where I said it was, it was New York via uh, Louisiana. Um, this is a, a song about somebody's kind of dream funeral arrangements. Or you just met somebody at the bar and it's like, I don't have anybody else in my life. So if I die, this is what I want. And you're telling the stranger basically what you want your funeral to be. It's actually a genius song idea. So weird. Um, but uh, you've got uh, kind of these great moments uh, lyrically where Give me to New Orleans and paint shadows on the pews. Turn the spit on that pig and kick the drum and let me down. Like, uh, it's, it's got a very kind of fun, fun take on a funeral. Um, and let me fall out of the window with confetti in my hair. Uh, send me off to bed forevermore. It's, 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 it's a fun take on a funeral. Steve tango till they're sore. Yeah, this is a good song that I didn't realize how good it was until we did our homework for the show. Um, and this song to me, he sounds like he's at the dinner table late at night and he's talking to his wife or kid and he's, he's had too many drinks and he's, he's being a little bit more honest than he, he knows. Uh, Mark Rebo, as far as I can tell, is not even on this track. Um, the whole sound of it's like the tune pianos and some, some Dixieland horns and some bass. Um, it sounds to me like if you were to take the old Tom Waits from like 1978 and try to have him do a song in the avant-garde years. That's what this sounds like to me. 
Um, it's kind of out of tune, but it seems heartfelt. And upon the scrutiny that we require of ourselves here at Podlicle Industries, and we do a track by track, my appreciation for it grew into a can of beans. I do like this song. It's got a catchy hook, man. Mark, I know you like a catchy hook. What do you think about this song? It's not bad. I mean, um, I think the uh, theatrics of Tom Waits uh, is clearly at play here. Um, I can see this uh, again with his imagery. Uh, it, it To me, it sounds like an old bum that you see in a boxcar uh, talking to like two other traveling troubadours and uh, – the whole song sounds like it's drunk. Either the piano's drunk or there's a cat walking across the piano. Um, <laughs> that's fair. Somebody's drunk in this song. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, and uh, it, it just, to me, it plays into what Tom Waits is able to do as a singer, as a songwriter, and as an actor. And uh, it feels like this is a, uh, a little bit of flexing all three of those muscles. Um, so I, I'll give it that, but it's it's not something that's going to make it on my playlist. Uh, I, I I do appreciate what it's trying to do. And, uh, you know, the whole scallywag, the whole, you know, troubadour thing, it's uh, certainly an effect, which I believe that there are some people who believe that Tom Waits... Um, morphed into this character um and it actually became a personality that uh wasn't actually really quite there i don't know I, i've read some theories on good old tom waits on that yeah no and that was that was actually earlier so like that the the drunk barfly tom waits was how he was in concerts uh back in the like the seventies. Um, and he did feel like he was like, now he just had to be that character all the time. So he still sings about him, but now we've got artsy Tom Waits. Uh, so I think at this point he's kind of moving a little past that, but he does, you know, he does fall into the character. Yeah. Um, but that brings us to big black Mariah. The big black Mariah is a is a phrase. It's a term that came out of uh, that Tom heard in his time in uh, New Orleans, um, and basically there was a uh, a cat house, a, pro, uh, a brothel, and whenever the cops would show up to uh, to pinch somebody, they called the big paddy wagons uh, big black Mariahs, and that phrase kind of over time fused into hearses. And so uh, this song is about a hearse carrying a coffin to a funeral. Um, and it's very bluesy. It's got Keith Richards in there on guitar. And uh, basically, uh, 
based on the life he's lived, he gets he gets to ride, he gets a, a smooth smoothed out ride to his grave, and that's that's what this song is about. Mark, Big Black Mariah. I do like this song quite a bit. Um, it's got like a little bit of a, a old Delta blues uh, sound to it. Um, authentic blues. Authentic blues. Um, but wasn't uh, Black Mariah uh, the Luke Cage villain too? Um, I swear that was. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about I'm not sure about that, but I mean, if you like authentic <laughs> well, that's blues, for you sure. check out Blues Hammer. Um, but yeah, everything about uh, what Eric was talking about hearses and whatnot—that um, was what was called, you know, the Big Black Mariah. Um, but yeah, uh, we got some really good brawling Tom Waits on this one. Uh, if you were to really kind of categorize a lot of his whole catalog of songs into either a, uh, a bastard, a brawler. Or a baller. This one here is a definitely a brawler, and I like that side of Tom Waits. You know that that generally fits the going out west kind of theme to it, and I I like I like this one quite a bit. It's hard to draw the line between a bastard and a brawler. Usually, you'll find both in the same place. Words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's deep, man. Uh, you're up, Steve. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, his, his vocal delivery in this one, he's got that weird falsetto going for part of it, but then he also like does the Tom Waits growler thing. Um, this is like Mark said on the brawler front, this is the guy at the junkyard that's singing at you. Um, the guitar doesn't necessarily take the song over, but it completely supports the song and that it's like a standard blues song. Um, somebody even gets a solo in it. So I guess that might be Keith Richards. Um, but even that solo still sounds like they're learning how to play the guitar for the first time. Uh, this has some of the most normal percussion so far on the record, but it still sounds like the drumsticks are probably bones on oil cans. And I give it hair grease. All right. Well, Sure, your body's in a coffin and your coffin's in the uh, in the hearse, but how'd it get there? Well, some men will do it for diamonds or gold. Some men will kill you. Some men will do it for diamonds. Some men will do it for gold. Just keep on climbing Sleep by the side of the be a song about uh, there's a lot of possibly ways to take this song there are songs about the things men will do for money evil things they will do also um, you know there is some references to just working people 
that whole that whole that whole question from uh, good bad and the ugly do you uh, do you uh, work uh, live do you work to live or do you do, do you live to work um, and uh, yeah what do you think about diamonds gold Steve it's it, Tom's character in this one is one of my favorite styles of his this is this is a man that is singing to you from a pawn shop this is, he's telling you stories or he's giving you advice or he's trying to steer you in a cryptic direction. This is a man that could sell you a mogwai. He's not too gruff. Um, uh, what, what he's singing to you is important and it, he's making it very clear that it's important. You have to listen to him. There's a slight mysticism to, to this man. Um, Mark, Mark Rebo's guitar and this is a driver kind of rises and falls and dances with the vocals. Uh, kind of a subtle call and response. It's not driving it in the same way Jockey Full of Bourbon does, but without his guitar kind of dancing around the vocals, this song goes nowhere. His guitar work with the vocals makes the song go somewhere. Uh, this is another track that has some bone xylophone, and I'd give it a can of beans. This song uh, affects me very deeply. Um, pardon me the hyperbole, but uh, I'd say almost life-changing in a weird way. Uh, I, I don't know. This is... a uh, Tracks like this, it's they sound so cool, and they're they're not incredibly profound, but at the same time, I don't know, it takes you to a very specific place that only Tom Waits can go. It's a great song. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, when you're condemning like capitalism and also just uh, you know the heart of the working man, uh, which Tom Waits, you know, as he'll do on Mule Variations, you know, really gets that. Um, no, well, I mean, I gotcha. what, what he does here is, uh, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I want to finish my thought. I'm not, I'm not just trying to say this is a really good song and he has a lot of really good songs because he does, but there are times where he, he kind of hits this like cross section between the weirdness, uh, some kind of message, even if you can't quite grasp it, like almost like a, a, a fairy tale, uh, moral of a story. And also at the same time, it's kind of pretty. And, it, you know, to get all those things in one song, is pretty special. Mark, Diamonds Gold. Yeah. Um, musically, I, I'm not quite uh, uh, enraptured with this song. Uh, I, it's Ribcage Xylophone, as Steve put out. Um, it, it, it certainly creates a mood. Um, not really many hooks, but if you do, uh, really focus in on the lyrics, that's where the song itself does shine. Um, it's more of a kind of poetry with music accompaniment versus something that I would really consider a really strong song. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's fine. It, it doesn't necessarily make my playlist, but, uh, I do give it hair grease a uh, uh, little step above old shoe well that's great um and yeah it does fit the kind of uh mystique of the record uh sonically um i was right we talked we we talked about it on the text thread today but i i was just reminded of the band firewater which was a band i got into in the heyday of indie rock early aughts they were kind of a cool band. I don't know if they're still around, uh, but they were very much Tom Waits influenced, very much gypsy 
like Eastern European influenced, uh, but they were, you know, still making these kind of lo-fi rock songs. Um, and they had some good albums and they put out a cover record uh, that had, um, you know, a pretty smoking cover of like Folsom Prison Blues. And then they covered this particular track. Um, and, uh, you know, I think after listening to that just today, I was like, you know, what? I should go back and check out at least those first three albums. That, uh, I really did enjoy back then. And I really forgot about that. So. Some men will do here for diamonds. Some men will do here for gold. Wounded, but they just keep on climbing. Sleep by the side of the road. There's a home. But let's move on to the next track. Hang down your head. Tear the promise from my heart. Tear my heart today. You have found Ballad, but it's it's kind of big and huge and uh, uplifting and you know tear the promise from my heart tear my heart today you have found another baby I must go away hang down your head for sorrow hang down your head for me um, it's basically he's he's going through heartbreak and he's asking his friends to cry for him he just needs a little empathy right now in his life and um, I don't know in my opinion, this track is kind of a banger. Steve? Tom Tom is leaving town here. Or he's either talking to a girl who's about to leave town. Um, this is him singing as himself, I think. This is him being genuine. This is kind of a throwback to his 70s work as far as the delivery goes. There's not a lot of gruffness. There's not a lot of weird falsettos here. <sighs> Speaking of Mark... Mark Ribal Rebo is the driver here. This is very much a guitar-driven sound. Um, it's about as normal as the guitar work gets in this album, if you ask me. A lot of strumming and supporting the downtown train style of a Tom Waits song. Um, this was written to me, it sounds like, I don't think Tom Waits ever wrote for a radio hit. God, no, but he was like, ah, this is something for the, the rubes, the noobs, the, the regular folks. This is a uh, romantic-sounding track. This could be a radio hit, and it has a lovely guitar solo. Uh, normal drums on this one, as far as I can tell. And there's an accordion. And I give it a can of beans. It's a great song. I file this with Jersey Girl. I found I'll file this with Downtown Train. Those type of tracks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mark? Yeah, no, Steve is 100% uh, uh, accurate on this one. It is a very commercial sound uh, that is found on Jersey Girl, is found on Downtown Train. Uh, even the uh, I mean, uh, Downtown Train is on this record, I believe. Uh, I think it's down there. Um, yeah. It is. And we'll get to it, it but we'll I think that it. song <laughs> is more well-known from a Rod Stewart perspective than it is Tom Waits. Um, someone like that could have also covered this song. It's a very commercial sound. With that said, it is a really good song. Um, it is a banger. I don't care how commercial it sounds. It sounds great. Um I just kind of unexpected to have it sandwiched on here uh, along with Downtown Train. So Tom can 
Tom can do it in any well, tip, in any style you like, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he's got an ear for melody, and uh, and he'll he'll sneak those in absolutely. But this 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 side of the record does close with the track, and I believe this might be certainly the second album we've covered with a song title this, but probably the third time we've talked about a song called Time. It's time, 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 and it's time, time, time that you love, and it's time, time, time. And the orphans and the orphans, and the memories like a train. Yeah, this is a ballad. It um, is very cinematic in his descriptions as he's talking about people leaving a bar at closing time. But he's using it as a metaphor to just cover kind of the passing of time and that feeling of, uh, of things coming to an end. Uh, Mark, time. It's, uh, it's an all-time uh, baller from, from Tom Waits. Um, I remember watching this, uh, I think, on that big-time uh, video. And... It was really well done. I mean, uh, you get Tom doing the old uh, wearing the heart on the sleeve. Uh, the mel- medley is also very pretty. Um, it's good. I mean, I know that David Bowie did a, a song called Time. I, I feel like, of course, they're talking about the same exact thing. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad. <laughs> pretty pretty soon, time. time there's, there's probably... Probably 300 songs called yeah, this time. Yeah, and Pink Floyd, of course, which was also about this as well. <laughs> so, you know, when you write about time, you're all kind of going for the same uh, uh, same, same goal. Yeah. Time! I mean, I mean, I think about time constantly, so I get why isn't it's cor- I mean, not to, like, be time. looking at our own navels here, but isn't the whole idea of time just insane <laughs> and i don't know i mean it's if, like no, yeah but if you man it's it, like if you're constantly you know, thinking about time <laughs> like you're right i'm always like please god let me get off work please god right. get me to the you know, weekend been, you guys i I've hear been, you i've been saying yeah, yeah. tick tock tick i've been trying i know i've been trying to get the Joe Rogan listeners to listen to us for I'm years. trying to crack the code, guys. So, yeah. I'm just trying to up our numbers. <laughs> now, now, well, Mark's, we're gonna you know, we're gonna do a live stream of our ayahuasca journey this weekend, so please tune in. It's gonna be great. We just gained five hundred thousand followers. Nope, we're old. We're old. We're old men. Yeah. Think about it all the time. Uh, you start to think about what memories will my child have of me after I'm gone. And that's weird. It's and strange, right? Um, Very strange. Yeah. And no, I mean, out of the listen, let's see. We talked about Pink Floyd. We talked about The Wall, but I'm sure we touched on the song Time by Pink Floyd, which has one of the best guitar solos of all time. As well, one of my favorite lyrics, which I brought up before, which I probably brought up in the last episode about. Uh, so you run and you run to catch up with the sun, but it's sinking. To race around and come up behind you again. The sun is the same in a relative way, but you're older. Uh, shorter breath and one day closer to death. Something like that. God, I love that lyric. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, crazy. And then A uh, Time by David Bowie. I mean, that song's a masterclass. I 
it, it, it definitely carries an emotional weight, but also David Bowie's theatrics on that song is awesome. He sings like a weird harpy, um, but he also uses that line. What is it? You know, dies wanking to the floor. That's that's great. Um, anyhow, I just wanted to touch on those great songs. This song, which is another great one called Time. It's a little bit more mournful. Um, this version of Tom, though, I like this version. This is the quiet, hushed Tom. Maybe this is the version of Tom that could sing a lullaby to his kid. Um, not as much of a character as he's just singing like he probably would normally. Again, to me, like if he's left in a room alone with a child, I think this is how Tom Waits would sing. Uh, Mark Rebo's work is very pretty on this song. It's not the point of this track, though. Uh, the There's like a melodica or an accordion at some point which I think is the heart and soul of this track. But uh, Rebo's guitar work is almost like acoustic Christmas hushed style. Very pretty. Again, broken record, can of beans. This record so far inside one has a high hit rate of top shelf songs. Oh yeah, and that is an accordion. That is uh, William Schimmel. William Schimmel is the accordion player on this album and he certainly plays on this track but the record the side of the record is over time to flip it and tom waits knew what he was doing with sequence and i'm a big sequence nerd and so to start the next side with the, the title track rain dogs that's a genius move a broken clock splashing the wine with all the rain dogs taxi we'd rather walk huddle a doorway with the rain dogs i mean i'm pretty sure like like at least in my head i fancied our our group of friends walking around downtown as the rain dogs it's just it just paints an image of uh you know just people that have found their community in a city it's it's their it's their group and and like like i said before the rain washes away their scent they can't find their way home and uh, about about as threatening as the diamond dogs and Ted Lasso. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, young to be young men and independent and getting into trouble. Uh, this is the song. There's xylophones, uh, and a trumpet shows up at some point. But you know, once again, we've got that Rebo guitar riff that that keeps it going. And Steve, title track. Yeah, what's that that lyric about the broken clock? What is it specifically? Uh, it's uh, smashing a broken clock, or inside a broken clock, splashing the wine with all the rain dogs. Inside a like broken clock. Yeah, it's uh, um, time. Time stands still when you're with your when you're with your bros. You yeah, know? it's a good it's a good track. It's a good. It's a, a throwback to the world of vinyl where you turn the record over and you got to get your attention caught. This is a great side B starter. Uh, enough sentimentality all of a sudden the last two tracks kind of pulled for the heartstrings this one's kind of going back to the seediness of uh some kind of dude chasing you around paris or something 
Um, for some reason to me, this song always reminds me of F. Murray Abraham. The singer in this track reminds me of F. Murray Abraham. Don't ask for fucking... I'm not going to show my math. That's just how I feel. Um, yeah, Mark Rebo's guitar work in this track, the, I could sum it up as just this, like, <laughs> darn, plank, blank, blank. Like, he does this weird, like, stabbing. It's great. It sounds like... It, it sounds like things splatting on the floor. Um, the percussion on this one's got some bone xylophone. And I give it again another can of beans. I think the title track off Rain Dogs is great. It totally sums up this entire album in one song. So uh, are we talking about the recently canceled F. Marie Abraham? Uh, but yeah, they killed off his character in Mystic Mythic Quest for some shenanigans. But uh, you hate to see it. Um, I'm right there with you. It kind of starts out like you're running through a French cafe. And then you're out in the streets with some guy who, uh, again, you met in an alleyway, um, kind of looks like Honest John from Pinocchio and uh, taxi. We'd rather walk, meaning like we're we're having a conversation with this guy as he's walking us down wherever the hell we're going. <laughs> but yeah, um, Rain Dogs and also a show on HBO right now. Uh, we're in the zeitgeist. Maybe we can get some of that HBO or excuse me, just max money um, by always talking about HBO shows. Haven't watched the show. I hopefully it's as good as this song. It's a good one. Every, every single HBO show has their own like sponsored <laughs> podcast. I just think it's like a, it's like a gimme. I mean, we could do that. It's fine. If you're listening we'll do your we'll do a ballers podcast we'll all watch ballers you gotta do you gotta do them, you gotta do them weekly though you gotta do yeah. them weekly and on time yeah. that's not our strong well song. we'll we'll watch yeah we'll watch the new ballers show and yes um okay rain dogs <laughs> and and listen fellas arless arless <laughs> 2023 yeah. let's say let's where it all started yes where, where it all started <laughs> So um, they're uh, they're doing an Arliss <laughs> Frazier crossover. It's going to be great. Uh, all right. Uh, well, hey, listen, uh, Rain Dogs, just on a side note, this is one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, I just I, I it, it has the propulsiveness of Jockey Full of Bourbon, but I don't know. There's a sentimental piece to it. Like I said, I, I had I had delusions of uh, cinematic images in my head of. Uh, you know, me and you guys and our group of friends and, you know, and at a certain time in my life, I connect to what the song is about, even if it's very silly, very silly. Um, but it takes us into an instrumental track two, Midtown. Midtown is an instrumental track. It's uh, jazz. It's got some pretty cool sax work, some sax rips. This is not John Lurie. He will show up later. This is Crispin COE. I think is how you say the name. Uh, Crispin is ripping all over this track. Midtown. Any any thoughts on Midtown, guys? Um, it's a little red bats with wings at kind of uh, in in the middle there. Um, you have definitely we're gonna see that Dick Laurent is dead on this one. Um, it's a spy thriller, that's for sure. Um, it's just a little bit of aggressive jazz. Just let the boys cook. Midtown. That's right. This is Austin Powers driving around in his Mini Cooper, 
tearing through the streets. Yeah, 100%. Right. <laughs> Steve, what do you think about this song? No notes. It reminds me of a Pogues song off a Pogues album that I don't remember the name of the album. I don't remember the name of the song, but it's the same thing. It's like, oh, you're caught in traffic. Watch out. Whoa, cars <laughs> flying each way. It's good at what it does, but I don't, I don't, I don't need to listen to it. Skip it. This is probably the low part point of the album for me, but again, it's, it's over before it starts and it's some fun shading. So it's, it's harmless, but it's not for me. And that brings us to uh, the token spoken word track. Uh, Tom Waits would always, at least starting in Sword for Trombones, would make sure that he got one spoken word track in every album moving forward. And that is Ninth, well, it's ninth and Hennepin. All the donuts have names that sound like prostitutes. And the moon's teeth marks. Uh, Tom Waits spoken word tracks are cool. There's like a little atmospheric score in the background as he just does his beat poet uh, rambling about it. Um, in this one, uh, and he has said this in an interview that this was based on a, um, uh, he was in the middle of what he called a pimp war on Ninth and Hennepin. Uh, there's trouble on Ninth and Hennepin. There was a Dinah Washington play, song playing out of a car and these 12-year-old pimps in chinchilla coats armed with knives and forks and spoons uh, started fighting. Um, but then somebody had a, a live ammunition in, uh, hidden in their boot and gunfires went off. And so he's just kind of uh, uh, telling that story. Uh, Steve, do you have thoughts on Ninth and Hennepin? Or his spoken word songs in general? I give this song an old shoe as well. This is little, this this double punch is the low point of the album for me. But the album is great. But I, you know, time is precious. Like Tom just told us a few songs ago. I don't need a lot of tracks about uh, dodging taxis and traffic. And also the spoken word stuff. It's fun, but I, it's not what I go to Tom Waits for. And I know that some people do go to Tom Waits for this. I mean, Nighthawks at the Diner. And then his last live album, wasn't there a bonus disc, Eric? That was just, yeah. you know, rambling the, live. Glitter and Doom there were, tour. There was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that stuff is fun. The dude, the dude, it's fun to listen to him talk, but I, I don't want to all the time. So this is him doing Nighthawks of the Diner stuff. Uh, this is the kind of guy you meet under a lamppost. You know, he's telling you what you got to do to get out of town or some shit. Uh, Mark Rebo's not on this track. The percussion kind of sounds like bottles and xylophones. It does have an interesting feeling that like time is running out. You got to do what he's telling you to do. Um, but it's not for me. And I give it a, it's, I file this away with what's his building in there. I listened to it once. I never need to listen to it again. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Mark. Uh, his spoken word stuff is definitely the bastards of the catalog, meaning that I have to be in a, like a mood for it. I can't necessarily want to have to deal with, Tom Waits doing his banter. Um, I appreciate the entire uh, purpose of what he's trying to do. He's he's a writer, um, whether he's trying to tell a story, a song, um, and how he best wants to convey that. Uh, it's almost like he's a playwright in this sense whenever he goes into this mode. Yeah, I mean, to, to Mark's point, 
you need the banter. Definitely. You're not going to get what makes Tom Waits special, but I'll, I will take, I will take everything else before I just sit yeah, there for the banter. Definitely. Uh, it needs to be interspersed. I mean, if, when you see him live, you're probably like really digging the banter um, just because it's an intimacy between Tom and the audience that you don't really capture on record as well. And I think that when people want to recreate that moment, this is kind of what they, they kind of go to because Tom was great uh, as a work in the audience kind of guy. Um, I really appreciate that about how he performed. And he, I think he really tried to bring that a little bit to his records. Um, so with this, I don't know, it's not a song that you really would reach for. I appreciate the purpose of it. It's just, it's not my bag, baby. Yep. I am right there with you too. Oh yeah. That's, that's a good beer, Steve. I've been drinking those this weekend. Uh, I famously do not like spoken word singers. Here's the working at 7am. <laughs> I, I famously don't like spoken word, like singers and rock music. It's like sing or just make an instrumental song. Um, for me with, with Tom Waits, because he is not such a Rollins a performer, fan, fan, apparently then. Um, sorry. <laughs> right, right. Unfortunately, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, perfect classic yeah. you know example. Funny. Classic you know example. what's funny? That's funny though. That's funny you say that. I love heavy music. I cannot get into Black Flag, but I love Henry Rollins' spoken word stuff. Just him. Well, That's well, I, 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 I mean, like, yeah, the spoken word where he doesn't have a, like a. Are you talking about with the music or just him? doing his talk. no no just him by no, oh no, no that's Rollins fine band, that's, terrible. that's fine no 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 what i'm saying yeah. is when it's a rock band but the singer just like talks or you know like that's not, a not surf. for me like sing or make it not a surf uh, uh yeah not yeah. a surf yeah 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 <laughs> popular yeah popular not in this house no, no, no. not in this I, house eric and i have had <laughs> eric and i have had some some knockdown drag outs over cake. Oh yeah. I think, uh, they're, they're, de- they're, they're good enough. Yeah. Cake, my book cake's cake, good enough, but Eric cake says toes the line. So much. Cake toes the line. Uh, yep. but, but Tom Waits gets, it gets one. He gets one spoken word on a song. Let's catch your breath a little bit. He's going to give you a show. Maybe it hopefully won't be too long. Some are better than others. I like what's he building in there. Uh, but then you get like a song like circus, which is less interesting. Uh, this, uh, in the middle, I like where he says that every girl's name, uh, sounds like a donut. I, I, I do like that line quite a bit. Uh, when he's talking about the prostitutes, that is um, a good line. That's really yeah. funny. Oh, that is a good line, <laughs> but we've, we've spoken worded enough about enough about his spoken words. Uh, let's bring us to track 13 gun street girls. Run Street Girl is a, is a song about a guy who's having trouble with the law, and he traces all of the events back to this girl he met on Gun Street. Um, and Incels. it's a tale within a tale. He's telling a story about it, and then with about getting in trouble, and then within that story, you find out where it all started. Um, this song is very Americana. It could be on Mule Variations with the picking guitar, acoustic guitar, dusty acoustic blues, banjo, and uh, some railroad hammering. And Mark, what do you think about Gun Street Girl? I really do uh, like Gun Street Girl. Um, this is uh, some like railroad uh, running from the law music. 
I love this shit. Um, I love it when Tom gets in this mode. Uh, it just working man. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how else to put it. It's just the the overall beat to it. Um, the uh, blues guitar. Um, just I love it. Great track. Well, the guitar picking keeps the beat because it's like that plucking kind of keeps keeps the tempo going. Um, and yeah, Steve, what do you think about Gun Street Girl? Yeah, no, and I agree with Mark. And here's what's fun about this track is, yeah, he sings about the Texaco. And I think that his narrator sounds like a gas station attendant to me in the desert or some such. Um, but that Americana style that's going on here, this is fun. This is probably the first time I can remember him touching on this stuff that he gets more into in the 90s. And also, I mean, remember, like the Blind Boys of Alabama covered Tom Waits. And I, I kind of think like a song like this kind of feeds like a group like that back and forth. Um, pretty fun stuff. Um, that Americana vibe that's coming up. And yeah, like you said, railroad percussion is a good way to put it. I kind of felt like pots and pans again. Um, Mark Rebo might be playing. I mean, his guitar is so out of whack, whatever that is. It might be a Filipino <laughs> box spring hog for all we know. But uh, it's, it's kind of all over the place. But I, I do like... This is a future vision to me of his uh, 90s work. Anyways. All right. Well, and for our next track, this one does have the great Keith Richards, and I will have to edit our Keith Richards conversation into this next song. Union Square. So I'm not down the Can of beans. So funny enough, this is Keith oh, Richards yeah. on guitar. Oh really? I was Mark I was Bell. thinking this was gonna be another Keith Richards. Two cats howling at the moon. Yep, yep. It was <laughs> <laughs> two cats howling at the God, moon. I, I, there, Eric, have you looked up either way? Have you looked up any like behind the scenes footage from these eras when Keith Richards and him recorded together? I don't like, I just think it'd be fun to yeah. see Tom Waits and Keith Richards it would be great. putting songs together. Oh yeah, I mean I, I like I like I like the Rolling Stones. Funny, I don't listen to them all the time, but they're the Rolling Stones, they're classic. But Keith Richards and Tom Waits, that's a, <laughs> it's just, ridiculous. Yeah, I sign off hardcore on that. Like literally, like two cartoons that were drawn up in a lab. Like let's put them together. <laughs> I mean, the skin texture alone. If you get if you get Keith Richards, Tom Waits. And Iggy Pop in the same room, you can make a couple of really good suitcases. <laughs> That's a, uh, I kind of stole that joke from a living color when um, Jim Carrey was playing George Hamilton. It's, it's something's happening downtown, but uh, you get an upbeat little Chicago blues song. I mean, Tom Waits could have leaned into the white blues guy thing um, uh, 100%. He's so good at it, uh, but he, he does keep, you know, some, I don't know. He keeps it a little guttural, uh, keeps it a little a little dirtier than your than your uh, your, uh, your other guys, your, even your Claptons that, that, that made a career out of it. Um, 
not my favorite track, um, but he really does wail on those blues vocals. And uh, Steve, what do you think about Union Square? A little bit of Crossfire. I like the song a lot. Um, to me, this is big time, Tom. This is Tom Waits, like, being loud, being in your face. This is Tom Waits, like, you're not expecting this guy to burst in the room and go table to table and yell at you, but that's what he's doing. Um, you're going to be exhausted with this dude by the time the song is over. On my notes, I wrote that Mark Rebo is subtly rocking out doing a Stones impression, probably because it's 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 not him. It's Keith Richards, right? <laughs> there okay. you go. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, pots and pans percussion, but played in a rock style kind of standard. I actually gave it a can of beans. I like the song a lot. It's, it's probably the most straight down Broadway song in the album to me. I liked it too. I liked it too. Fair enough. I, I think it's a rocking little number. Um, I like when Keith Richards shows up uh, with Tom, as we had talked about previously, uh, when Eric mistakenly thought it was the previous song, but I still went along with it because, man, uh, I could see why even Steve made that mistake, not knowing interchangeable between Mark Rebo and Keith Richards. They kind of have this same sort of just dirty guitar playing style. So sometimes I would feel like it uh, would be a little hard to uh, tell one from the other. But that said, um, I, I enjoy this song. Uh, I enjoy a little bit more of uh, Americana, like brawling blues, but not like cheesy blues. It's it's more a th- I don't know I don't want to say <laughs> blues because I'm walking right into that that quote. But it just it feels that the, the jokes the jokes never gonna die. It's, it's gonna be with us until the day we die. That that reference to the movie uh, uh, Ghost World. That movie? Ghost World. Yeah. That's like one of the oldest references in our friendship, and it's going to be here forever. <laughs> Blues Hammer. But I mean, like, Tom Blues doesn't hammer. seem to be co-opting uh, uh, any anything here. Uh, I think he gets a no. hood pass for it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go back to talking about baseball. Well, give me an update what's going on with the I think we're going to just. <laughs> Pass over that one. <laughs> Next is uh, this is a song called Blind Love. Who's blind love? Stone blind love. Uh, blind love. This is a little uh, little country rock song. It's got a very catchy chorus. Um, once again, we've got Keith Richards, Keith, Keith Richards, uh, noodling some country riffing and, uh, uh, great lyrics. Like they say, if you get far enough away, you'll be on your way back home. Well, I'm at the station and I can't get on the train. Um, just looking, somebody looking for love to surprise him. Um, and you got a little song called blind love. Mark, what do you think about blind? I mean, it's a sad little honky-tonk song. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, instead of being in the uh, the blues section, now he's, you know, going down to Nashville and singing about uh, his sorrows, essentially. Uh, and I do think they perfectly, again, cast Keith Richards to do that 
I feel like you can just smell the stale beer in the cigarettes on the dance floor on this song. And uh, he does that by his old delivery. Blind Love. I, I sign off on it. How many times do you think Tom Waits had to wake up Keith, Keith Richards to, 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 to get through this one? <laughs> <laughs> or putting out his lit cigarette as he's sleeping. Hey! But yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's kind of a back to back to his roots song. This is where he started. His first his first album is chock full of these kind of Americana uh, tracks. But uh, Steve, what do you think? You nailed it. What I wrote is that uh, this song is one he could have written for the Eagles. This is definitely the old school singing from uh, the heart piano Tom Waits. But he's a little gruffer now, and he's not at a piano at all. But he sounds like he's on a phone to someone. But it's definitely uh, Keith. Keith's guitar work on this is a little out of tune. There's some plucking. He sets a foundation, but he's not driving the song. Um, the bass lines are really, as a proper bass line does, takes the song from here to there. Um, this song is kind of uh, Jersey Girl-ish with its rising action. It doesn't quite get to the emotional heights of Jersey Girl, though. I feel like they're kind of like steering towards a Jersey Girl emotional eruption, and they never get there. It kind of gives you blue balls, like Blind Love can do. And uh, because of those blue balls, I give it a, uh, it's a middling track. Fair enough. Well, let's, let's go to the next one. This is track 16. You wrote a beat up They slap their hands against the wall. You never trip, you never stumble. He's walking Spanish down the hall. Slip him a picture of our Jesus. Or give him a spoon to dig on. Uh, Walking Spanish is, uh, this introduces a friend of the show, John Lurie, his uh, Tom Waits co-star from Down by Laws, playing saxophone, alto sax, on this particular track. Um, and we get uh, a very cool vibe, the song itself, Walking Spanish, is what they called it uh, in, uh, well, at least in prison where you're walking to death row. Uh, you're, you're taking your final steps to execution. Um, and so he's kind of weighing his, uh, you know, his thoughts about, you know, the end. The end is, is nigh. Um, not definitely spoken word is happening. Not necessarily the most engaging Tom Waits vocals until you hit that, that kind of, catchy hook um, but there, there's a, there's an interesting musical vibe at least in my opinion Steve what do you think about walking Spanish well once again Steve not paying attention to lyrics because the vibe of this song does not sound like a man that's going down <laughs> death row at all uh, like the vibe of the song is like the coolest guy you've ever heard about being told like this motherfucker Ricky he walks Spanish everywhere he goes. I mean, that's what this song sounds like. Oh, yeah. I, I never Boy, picked he's, up yeah, oh, he's, He is strutting to the chair. Yeah. He is strutting to the chair. Yeah, There's this, no this is Steve listening to, like, the emotion, but not listening to the words at all. Um, so, yeah, my impression of this song is, like, the coolest guy you've ever met telling you about the other coolest guy he ever met. But apparently it's all about death row. Um, 
Yeah, that's hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's got some normal drums and some horns. And I've always thought this song just sounded so cool and was about a cool guy. And I've just had my mind blown. It's about death. That's fun. I mean, you guys get where I'm coming from. This song sounds like the coolest guy you've ever met. It sounds cool as doing. Coolest Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like Chester Cheetah walking like down the street. Teaching you how to walk in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This 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 begat the Tommy the Cat video. Like, this is where they're like, this is this is the vibe we need. This is so cool. I'm Chester no, Cheetah. No. I'm just a cool dude in a loose mood. Go on, tip your Take off your watch, your rings, and all. Even Jesus wanted just a little uh, more time. No, I, I really love this song. Because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's a jazzy little number that just seems to be flipping cigarettes as it walks <laughs> Spanish down the street. And so to have the, the dissonance of it being like just showing some pride as he's about to sit in the electric chair the opposite of the mercy seat song um uh tom brought a little fun to executions what's so wrong with that so yeah this song is great it's an all-timer i hope we all can look as cool as we walk our last steps <laughs> uh let, let us just take that as inspiration and uh we'll go into um what might probably is the biggest money maker for Tom Waits, Downtown Train. Have nothing that will ever capture yours. They're just thorns without the rules. Be careful of them in the dark. Oh, if I was one, you chose to be your only one. Oh, yeah. Can't you hear me now? Can't you hear me now? So downtown train, Tom Waits pulled out all the stops. Uh, he actually switched out his band. This is where he brought in G. Smith from the Saturday Night Live band. He brought in uh, Mickey Curry, who was actually Brian Adams' drummer. He brought in Tony Levin, of course, we know from Peter Gabriel and, and King Crimson. Uh, and uh, they made this tight uh, 80s blues pop song called Downtown Train. Uh, it's simply a song about, it's got a cinematic story uh, and about a guy that just sees a girl that catches his interest. So he always tries to catch the same train as her. And there you go. Of course, we would see it be covered by Rod Stewart in a ridiculous video with Rod Stewart's most regal mullet as he's singing over burning trash cans with fingerless gloves. <laughs> Uh, really trying to <laughs> really trying to sell the urban appeal Jesus and yeah his cover is as as bad as it sounds um, but the song itself well I'm curious what you guys think when I first heard this song, it was from Rod Stewart before I heard it from Tom Waits. Uh, I feel like the reason of how good this song actually is from Tom Waits, Bones and All, 
you know, like the man can write a melody. The man can write a song that would appeal to a lot of a different segments. Um, but when you look at Tom Waits, he looks like he was run over twice. Uh, just he's got this kind of dirty road look to him. And so if you want to really like move some units, we got to put this uh, this guy's like ideas on someone as like pop sheen as as Rod Stewart and moms everywhere were able to be like, this is a great song. I'll listen to this on Y92. Uh, that's where I first heard this song was Rod Stewart's version of this song on Y92, probably being driven to school from my mom. So I uh, appreciated the fact that Tom Waits originated this song because a good song is a good song. Um, I prefer Tom Waits' version, and I'll say it's it's a good one. I love the commercial Tom Waits. I love the stabs at it, which he honestly, after this, didn't really do that often. Um, so that's that's that. Yeah, even his commercial stuff after this was still... His singles were weirdo songs, like I Don't Want to Grow Up and Big in Japan and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Steve, what do you think about Downtown Train? No, it's Downtown Train. It's great. I mean, uh, very romantic. Uh, I think the opening seconds of the song kind of warm. Once you hear the song for the first time, the second you go back to it for the second time, you know you're in for an emotional wallop every time. Um yeah, Tom's a very lovelorn man in this. He he sounds romantic to me. He's he's romantic, but he's also tender. Um, and I guess that could apply to Ross Stewart as well. Um, I, I think this is some of Mark Rebo's best work on the album. He has a great guitar solo in this track. It's um, it's still a little herky jerky, but it's very pretty. Um, yeah, I think everybody puts their best foot forward on this song. I don't think any of them said we have to have a single. I think they just said, hey, let's let's just let's just play this, you know, not play it safe, but let's just. I, I don't know what their mentality was in the studio for this track. So you've got Tony Levin, who I mean, what year is this? Is this 86? 85. Yeah. All right. You got Tony who's talking to Peter over there and learning that you can be a weirdo and still make big, big pop songs. Um. And then you've got the guy that's over on Saturday Night Live. So that's that's the right idea. It's the right approach. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, the percussion's normal drumming. Again, this is not a weirdo track. It's it's an amazing uh, four-quadrant song. The Rod Stewart version and the Tom Waits version, I think, are both great. Well, no, I take it back. The Rod Stewart version's passable. The Tom Waits version is great. I'm not going to turn the radio station if Rod Stewart's version comes on. Um, or at the grocery store. I mean, I'll, I'll listen. Yeah, I mean, I'll listen to his version of what's that? Sailing. It's that terrible song he made, Sailing. Uh, other Rod Stewart Maggie songs May. I like. Let me see. Forever Do you think I'm sexy? Do you think I'll, I'm yeah. sexy? I won't kick Maggie May out of bed, which actually I think the song actually specifically talks about getting kicked out of bed, getting kicked in the head. Um, yeah, uh, this is a song that... Uh, if you're feeling vulnerable, it might make you tear up a little. It's a great track. Strong beans, weaponized beans. Uh, just, just a weird, a weird, uh, coincidence is, uh, back. This is probably 
in the height of my Tom Waits fandom. So this would have been probably 2003, 2004. I was on an airplane, JetBlue, and they were playing music videos from the, like, so everybody could watch them. I don't know why that was a weird thing. And on the same flight, they played, they played the Rod Stewart version of Downtown Train with, with his, you know, fingerless gloves and, and burning trash barrels. And then, uh, they played the Honey Drippers uh, uh, Sea of Love song, <laughs> which is <laughs> Robert Plant's uh, another inferior. Uh, well, it wasn't a Tom Waits cover. It was a cover of a cover, but Tom Waits is definitely the uh, superior version of that song. Uh, anyways, that was just a funny, funny Tom Waits themed cover flight. Hey, you- <laughs> I love it. I love it. Anyways. No. All right. <laughs> well, that brings us to another instrumental and in our penultimate track. This is a song called Bride of Rain Dog. All right, this is another little wild, jazzy little song, little interlude, very short. Um, any thoughts on this song, guys, before we move on? No notes. It was. I wrote my notes at 3 a.m. I had no time for these. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a drunken clown, you know, walking down the street cross-eyed. Uh, <laughs> that's what the song sounds like. Uh, just got hit in the head, hit in the head with a frying pan. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, to uh, me, to me, this this track is like you've already been here. You've already been here for 17 songs. What's one more blast of baloney before you get to go to a real good song? I just sure. I'm glad this album's great, or I'd be really angry at this song. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would just say, like, yeah, these instrumentals uh, and or the spoken word ones, they just kind of add to the the general vibe. When you have to dissect them track by track, they're gonna fall right to the bottom of the barrel, and then you're gonna stomp on them like well, a I cigarette mean, butt. Here, but, let's just here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This podcast started because of Nine Chanels. And Nine Chanels is a lot of great instrumentals. Just, you got it. A Warm Place is one of their best songs. Of their highest song. But this style of instrumentals is, I put this in the, like, what are you guys doing? Folder. I'm like, all right, guys. Let's get going. Like, I'm just, I got no problem with fun instrumentals, but this is just stupid. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Roger Rabbit just got hit with a frying pan, <laughs> fell down the alley, and that brings us to anywhere I lay my head. It's funny because Mark sounds like one of the weasels. Every episode, at <laughs> least one. Seems that my pockets were. Filled up with gold Not a cloud With a cover of a veil And the wind is blowing cold I don't need anybody Because I love I love to be alone Well, uh, well, 
Well, I see the world is upside down. It seems that my pockets were filled up with gold. Now the clouds went and covered everything over, and the wind is blowing cold. Um, this is our closing track. It's got a big wall of sound type thing. It's probably one of the most full-sounding so songs on the album. Um, as you have a, the story of somebody that he has these misfortunes, broken hearts, um, and but but it, but life's a little easier when you don't have a home to go to because there's less shame. It's just you carrying it. And that's, that's what it's about. Anywhere I lay my head. And, uh, what do you think about this particular track, Steve? He's good at these songs. He's good at closers. He's good at some of these songs that sound like grand statements about an important aspect about your life when you might be lost. Tom Waits is good at that shit. Um, I mean, go back to the can of beans grading whole can of beans song comes from the song Lucky Day, which is like this version of this to me, which is whatever this is. It's a person telling you about something important about life and life's journey. That's what it is. Um, Tom wrote this song, I think, to bring the house down. He's not very egotistical, so I don't know if he like said, I'm going to bring the house down, but he does. Um, I think it closes a near-perfect album with a perfect song. The, the, like you said, a full sound on this, Eric, you're right. To me, this sounds like he's singing a solo in church. It sounds like all eyes are on this person singing. He's belting it out. Everyone's watching him, and they want to hear what he says. But the man's also not afraid to be wounded in a crowded, crowded room and vulnerable. Uh, he is truth and he is honesty, and he does not disappoint. This is a great track. Mark Rebo's not on this track at all, as far as I can tell. It's just accordion and bass until the Dixieland band comes in. And that Dixieland band really nails this song home. This song is already beautiful, and it pauses for a second after you're like, all right, I guess it's done. And then this fucking band procession comes through. And the record ends in New Orleans Dixieland style shit. And it's beautiful. I, they, I, I, it's just, you listen to it until the last second when it fades out. And it makes me so happy that they did that. I'm, I'm smiling the entire time it's playing. It reminds me of, um, Radiohead. Life in Glass Houses. Yes. I was going to say the House. same fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's the same exact thing. They're like, hey, you know, the song's pretty good, but let's do some uh, Dixieland. Hey, is that, you know, you guys like that? Right on. <laughs> so I I love this song. This is a grand slam. Uh, great track. And ending it the way they do, where the song's kind of emotional, but then it just has that joyous little burst of the horns. Is Kind of sums up the whole record. Um, good, 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 good way to end the record. Love it. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I like how he, they, there's a lot of New Orleans funeral imagery in this record earlier on. And I love how it comes back together at the end of this. Mark, what do you think about Anywhere? It's great. Ahead? It's great. It uh, definitely sends off the album uh, extremely well. It gives it that jazzy send off. Steven uh, stole the words right out of my mouth around the Radiohead connection to uh, Life in Glass Houses. I don't know if that was intentional. I don't even know if they even like Tom Waits, but I guess it's out in the universe. And uh, there, true love waits. It's right there. Right there. That's that's right. That's right. Um, 
but great vocal performance uh, from from Tom Waits. I can't like again. Steve nailed the perfect description of how to uh, articulate his performance on this particular song. Uh, it's has a burial like funeral procession kind of feel to it, and then just like that second line um, at New Orleans when they do these things, uh, they celebrate the life of it all. It's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Um, I think, did we talk about the fact that Scarlett Johansson wrote an entire album of Tom Waits covers? Did we talk about that? <laughs> we, we did no. not. Yeah, we did. But not. you know, what's funny is that, uh, I meant to mention in nine inch news that she just put out a single with, uh, well, all right then. Very timely, but. But Mark, Mark, I actually do have thoughts on that album. I, I don't we, think I ever actually listened to it. Um, I was always puzzled by it, but always kind of appreciated what Scarlett Johansson was trying to do. herself as very multifaceted and not just like a pretty face that she's an artist and has really good musical taste. She appreciates I mean, she's in ghost world. She appreciates authentic. That is true. Well, well you guys, you guys know that TV on the radio does all the music on that album. That's right. right? Dave Sytek. No. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was listening to their first EP today. I had no idea. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that's so going to make me listen to it. <laughs> music. Musically. It's interesting. And like singing, she doesn't, she's pretty like, monotone but it it works because she does this song it's not a bad listen yeah i think that's yeah. this song is yep. on there yep. yeah i just imagine yeah, her sounding like is. lana del rey before lana del rey half awake relying on her voluptuous lips i'm not trying to get the joe rogan listening back, but i'm just saying <laughs> i don't see it happening unless she's really doing something creative there it's it's fine it's it's pretty like like uh it's it, it, it's pretty quaaludey singing but it's it's fine uh yeah, it's not a bad it's not a bad listen oh. it's not a bad listen but uh, tv on the radio doing the tom waits music is funny and wait a minute didn't uh, but anyway didn't david bowie also contribute some vocals to that thing as well um on scarlett I johansson so. i think i think you're spot yeah. on yeah i think i think you're spot on bullshit yeah. David it's Bowie not, sang Tom Waits songs. It's David crazy. Bowie contributed yeah, vocals to Falling time. Down and Fannin Street on the album. <laughs> All right. Uh, so rankings, let's rank it. Um, what do you, th- what, what are you going to give this one, Mark? Come on. What are you, you going to give Rain Dogs? So Rain Dogs, if we're going off the, uh, the five ranking, five, what do we call it? Five can of beans. Yeah. How many barks? How many barks? How many barks? How many barks does Rain Dogs give? I'm going to give it 4.6 uh, barks. Um, I think that this is definitely near perfect. Um, my perfect albums in his catalog are Bone Machine. Um, maybe even Real Gone is real close to being a five-star Mule Variations. Yeah. Um, but this one here, I think, is uh, on the highest point of my island years, but not the highest point. So 4.6. Uh, it 
it's a great record. And uh, it's just like Steven said, sometimes when you're listening to it all the way through, it can be kind of tiring towards the end. Um, but other than that, great, great record. Steven. How many barks? I actually wrote my Tom Waits rankings uh, because of uh, my 3 a.m. musings today. And you guys can see me on video here. I look like a madman that's been up since 3 a.m. But um, I've decided this is now my favorite Tom Waits album. Um, I was forced to look at it through a lens that I never looked through it before. I do it a five. It's not perfect. But Tom Waits is not perfect. The very good Tom Waits is not going to be perfect. You can get rid of some of those instrumental songs and some of the talky songs, but eh, they're, they're there and they, they help, you know, uh, the, the, the house that this album is needs some weird furniture in it. That is those songs. But I mean, the way, the way this album is to me, and I, I was thinking about this at 3am is, um, despite these weird detours, um, it reminds me of my dog, Victor. Uh, Victor is a dog. This album is called Rain Dogs. And he is a weird asshole. We've had him for about two years. And in those two years, we've also been remodeling a house. And sometimes I have to say that we don't pay attention to him as much as we should. Those are the times he acts up more. But when I do give him the attention he needs, and I focus on Victor, Everything falls into place and an extreme version of happiness. And I realize why we got this dog. It's a weird asshole. And uh, what we give into Victor, he gives back to us. And I feel that's how this album is. If you, if you listen to this album and focus on it, you find really fun things in here. You find reasons to laugh. You find reasons to cry. Uh, you know, people make a joke. You know, who puts Tom Waits on at a party? There's songs on here I'd put on at a party. Um, there's some roustabout songs. Uh, I love it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't have my Excel spreadsheet of all my Tom Waits albums in front of me right now, but this one got moved from the, the, the bottom of the top to the top. I really ended up loving it when I looked at it closer and it's just, you can't listen to it casually if you're going to like it. It's not a casual listen. Um, great, great record. Excellent. And Steve, I think this is the first one we've lined up on also five for me, five, five barks. Um, and I, I can't, I can't add to that. Your, your, uh, analogy about the house with the weird furniture, I think is perfect. I think Tom, Tom would appreciate that. I, 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 I would say like, it is a testament to how strong the record is that there are probably three or four songs that are low, low rungs on the ladder that I mean, yeah, I mean, even you're almost break, lucky. They can't. I'm sorry. Like, you know, I bitched about there being 18 tracks. You need 18 tracks to be here because if you have, if it's skewed too far in the baloney direction of those songs, then it would get dropped, brought down. So yeah, it's yeah. a big meal. And that, definitely that's what I'm meal. saying is, 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 is the, the fact that those, those four tracks can't bring it down and just add to the texture. Um, you know, I think that's a testament to how strong it is. Um, it's, yes, it's what we like about Tom Waits, but it's also experimental. It is dabbling in pop songwriting. It's, it's a, uh, 
it's important. And um, yeah, five five barks, five five cans of beans, to, whatever we're. To Mark's point in, too. To Mark's point too, this is the second step in what becomes like just like home run after home run for the most part. Oh yeah, um, the album before it's great. Uh, Frank Wild Years is great. Um, I subscribe to the Black Rider. I know I'm on an island there, but then his '90s work is really good. And then, like Mark said, Real Gone I think is a sleeper hit. Oof. Let's not oh, forget yeah. Blood Money's pretty goddamn good. Um, yeah, he just he just does good work for the most part. Yeah for the yep. goddamn near his whole career. Well, this was fun for me. Like I said, I went ape shit for Tom Waits in my early twenties and I, it would be every day. I would pick a different album and listen to it, collect them all. I, uh, and then at some point, Tom, who I love, like wasn't always a Tom type of day. So this, this had me revisiting all of it and reminding me what, you know what I connected to his music with and um, and definitely uh, fold, brought it back into the fold shall we roll for the next I think one? we shall alright that's six alright so number six it's a record released March 5th in the year 2007. It was an album that was selected by me. It is Arcade Fire's Neon Bible. Um, so look out for that um, with Neon Bible. Uh, so when I made this list, uh, what, I don't know, three years ago. Um, the, the issues around Wynn Butler had not come to light. <laughs> And so, oh, calm down. He's he's only a rumored pederast. I, I hear you. I mean, nothing's been found guilty. Um, but this might be a, a a conversation piece that we either avoid or we talk about just briefly. You no, know, we got to We got to talk about art versus the artist, cancel culture, Peter Gabriel, and a record with a whole lot of church organs on it. Oh, that's for sure. Dive right into it. We're gonna take it head on. Absolutely. Head on. Yeah. We didn't we didn't go back and delete our Marilyn Manson episode off the feed, so we can talk about this guy. That's for sure. Uh so all right. As we're counting down uh this episode, we hope that you're going to be counting down also the days to our next one. Uh we hope that we brought you closer to Pod. To dog. To dog. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. To Tom. Thank uh-huh.